You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. It's a new year and it's time for new possibilities, and do we ever need them? Cricket Wireless can help you make the easy switch to the mobile plan that's right for you, starting at $30 a month. Smile and switch to Cricket. Activation and other fees and restrictions apply. Terms subject to change. See store for details. Being lonely, I want to be loving you only. So many girls have crossed my path, but I could not last. I needed you. Won't you share my love? You pick me up when the world's down on me. Share my love. You ease my mind when I feel alone. I can do no wrong with you by my side. Welcome to my life. Come on and share my love. I mean, be a part of my tomorrow. Put it into all my sorrow and pain. Come on and share my love. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just get so far. You get so deep into the I do. into the nostalgia. Like you mm-hmm. really embody the essence and culture of the song that you sing. It's really a, an experience. We're going to have to record these on video so that the people can really see you step into this persona. That was LTD's Share My Love. Uh, oh, shout man. out to Jeffrey. I loved him from the age of like seven. You absolutely have. But yeah, praise <laughs> the Lord, niggas. Praise Welcome back to Getting Grown. I'm Kia. And that's Jade. I'm Jade. I'm sorry. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> I'm laughing at something at a very inappropriate time. I'm sorry. I'm Jade. Hello. Praise the Lord. Yes. Um, <laughs> and we are t- back to talking about the worst hood we've ever endeavored to live in, honey, adulthood, the ghetto, the good, the bad, the ugly, the test, the trials, the twist, the turns, the temptations. And the taxes of being a real live adult in the year of our Lord, 2021. 
2021. Yes, indeed. Uh, how are you doing, sis? You know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. You know, there's a lot of things going on in the world, and I'm just trying not to. Uh, go on. I'm just trying, you know, not to allow that to uh, affect my day to days because. Listen. You know that would that would just be that would just be a lot. But we have a we'll talk about that more in the kitchen table. How are you? I am yet holding on. I am safe, and I have all that I need right here in this house. And God I mean, is still good. He's still good. I went to the eye doctor today. You know what? That's gonna be my petty peeve. Let's put a pin in that. Okay. All right. Because I and too we went will. to the eye doctor. I hello because what are we old all right yeah. let's move on let's move on I don't want to get too deep down we into, got a little trash to get into shall we get into that let's push on into the trash receptacle a clean up woman oh it's time for basura um well first and foremost in the trash we want to mm-hmm. We want to say rest in peace to Black Rob. Oh. He passed away. I mean, literally sad news. I mean, I it's knew that just... he was not doing well. The last time I saw yeah. him, he was um, he was actually on the internet talking about his health issues. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, learning that he had passed was, you know, very, very difficult news. Yeah, that was sad. It's just not, it's just not a... It's a sad time right now, especially for New York rap. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a lot of it's a lot of loss right now. Um, so you know, condolences and love to his friends and his family. We want to send that. Um. So, hmm, Bobby Brown was is going to be hmm, on the Red Table Talk. So I'd heard about this. Latoya said that she watched it. So I think that it already. Okay, so it's on there already. It's available for our viewing. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get into the details of it, but she did say that, you know, Bobby gets really candid. Yes. So from what I read, because I have not watched it yet. Um, from what I read, Jada asked him if he blames uh, the young man, Nick Gordon, for the mm-hmm. death of Whitney and Bobby Christina. Whitney too. Um, mm-hmm. And he does. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. From what I read. Now we let's all go watch the interview. I'm gonna watch it. We can come back and talk about it. Maybe you'll watch it and we'll come back and talk about it next week. Mm-hmm. Uh but he said that, which is very it's just, that's just very that's very interesting. Maybe they should so, just let Whitney rest. I would appreciate it. So I mean, involved? Like, what does that mean? Does that mean I don't know? Maybe I should just watch it because <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you know what? Like, you're this right. This is a lot. I'm like, let's table this red table. Was he talk there for next was, week? Was We're gonna. He, did, did he furnish the drugs? Like, I, I'm that's curious. what he he did. He does think that he furnished the drugs. That's where it came Got from. It. He Got said he furnished. He you know he that he he believes he furnished the drugs that caused that caused both deaths. So, um, I see. Just let them rest. Just let them rest. Like it's Listen. it's such a a tragic ending for both, and 
you know, so similar that it, maybe it's just time to let him rest. Or I don't know, maybe this is work he needs to do. I don't know. We'll come back and talk about it after we watch it. Please. So, Ursher, baby, <laughs> there was... <laughs> There was a slew of jokes going around on the internet the other day because allegedly Usher tipped a bunch of uh, dancers with Usher bucks. (laughs) Now, Usher comes back and states that they were all they were paid in actual money. Like, I guess later on, they they paid them actual dollar dollar bills, y'all. But initially they were throwing Usher bucks. Well, yes. Did he say that it was something around promotion for his residency? Right. Why they created these Usher bucks, and so that's why they've been passing them around, passing them around, and all yeah. Of that jazz. Let me explain something to you, uh, rich ass Usher Raymond. Uh, <laughs> for regular niggas and like niggas who work to be able to, you know, we all work to put put a roof over our heads. But for you know, for your day to days who are really out here grinding. <laughs> and don't have a lot of the privileges that you have, I guarantee you, you put some shit in a nigga's hand that looks like money but is not, they gonna be bigly irritated about that. Mm. Bigly irritated. Like, very, like, beat your ass irritated. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, that might not be the best promotion. I don't know who your marketing team is, but you all might want to circle back and regroup. Y'all know y'all love to use a circle back and regroup, so... Y'all might need to circle back and regroup because that sounds like a failed plan to me. Don't throw nothing in my hand that is not money and looks like it. Yowza, yowza, yowza. That's just how I feel about that. Um, What else do we have on this here trash? I don't want to actually talk about that. I'm sorry. I had something else on here, but I want to keep it kind of light. Oh, Puffy. Mm. <laughs> So Puffy, I guess, wrote a letter. He was blasting GM. General Motors? uh, Yeah. And wrote a letter talking about how large corporations. I mean, uh, pots and kettles. Okay. Diddy got a lot of nerve. Basically. Okay. So the Grio has, I'm going to put it in, I'm going to put it in the description box. The Grio has an article. If you love us, pay us. Right. And this is a, this is a love letter from Puffy. Basically letting these large corporations know that if you really care about black people, you would pay black people. Like he has said, I, I just, this was such a, such a pot kettle situation like isn't there a trail of uh career lifeless bodies behind you (laughs) of niggas who were supposed to have been paid supposed to have grown all types of things and i'm not gonna tell you what the number one i'm not gonna tell you the very controversial thing that i think right now but Mm. isn't there like there's a trail of career bodies behind him so what is he talking about? Who even that you knows? are not the person who needs to be speaking up <laughs> on behalf of black people getting paid. You know the last one. You might want to pipe down. Like pots and kettles, honestly, truly. If anything, let's let's get all the 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 content creators together. I'd like to ban all of you together behind me. I'm happy to call out a bunch of companies about how y'all like to reach out to people and inquire about their services and all these this and that's and then you don't even have the decency to respond anymore or you just fall off the face of the earth 
or you expect people to do things for free. Like we can have those types of conversations. What I don't want to talk about or or hear from is Sean Puffy Combs <laughs> about anybody paying anybody. <laughs> I just found that to be quite rich. Bless um, right now. But that's it for the trash. I had one other thing, but I I don't I don't want to bring down the the energy <clears throat> of the show. So I think we shall move over into a shout out. What say you, sister? I'm ready. My sister's popping right now, like. So our shout out this week. Um, well, first and foremost, I wanted to shout out last week, which I found out after the fact was Black Maternal Health Week. Oh. I didn't know Black Maternal Health Week was a thing, but I was so glad to find out that it was because there's so many of us who have had really scary uh, birthing stories or pregnancy stories, mm. and we already know about um, how the healthcare system is not set up for Black women for us to succeed. Right? They don't. They put things in practice that are not in the best interest of us. Our health. They don't listen to us. They don't listen to our questions, which then leads to. Uh, lives lost right whether that be our babies or ourselves so I love that black maternal health week is a thing Um, and I wanted to shout out I came across Carol's daughter so Mm -hmm. everybody knows Carol's daughter Um, Carol's daughter was hosting a series of conversation under the name love delivered and I'll make sure that this link is posted in the description box but uh, they say, and I'm quoting directly from the site, as maternal mortality rates continue to disproportionately impact our community, it's important that we, a brand built on the love between a mother and a daughter, are helping to lead the charge for public awareness and advocacy for black mothers. So that's why over the next three years, we will raise awareness about black maternal health amongst 100 million people and directly engage 10,000 people to be advocates for black birthing people and babies through Love Delivered. So I'm going to put the um, the link in the description box for Love Delivered, but I thought this was such a dope concept uh, because these are such necessary conversations, and maybe this will do something to help kind of shift things in the healthcare field where black women are heard and our health is being put where it should be so um again that link will be in the description box so you can check out in more depth about love delivered but i wanted to bring attention to that i love that and i think now we have a really really dope kitchen table talk to get into so you think we should head that direction sister i think we should man i think we i don't know if we formally introduce our um our guests, we trying to jump right into the conversation. So, guys, we are really pleased and excited to um, to invite to the kitchen table. D. Ray McKesson came to kick it with us at the kitchen table to have an awesome dynamic conversation about um, some awesome work that he's doing around police violence. Uh, mm-hmm. train change police unions combating police unions uh, addressing issues of of unfair policing all kinds of legislation and uh, political and activism work that he's engaged in through his organization campaign zero um, and so we had an awesome conversation about that about getting involved um, and and just being more informed and aware of what's going on in the world as it relates to these um, you know his the the legacy of uh police mm-hmm. killings that is what we're dealing with in this country but 
we have an awesome time at the kitchen table. Y'all be sure to to check out check it out and listen. Also, make sure that you look in the description box where you can get more access to links so you can do some more reading and research yep. around um, D Ray and some of the awesome work that he's doing through Campaign Zero and just how to follow him on socials um, generally. So let's get on over to the kitchen table and into this good good conversation. Chit chat, chit chat, chit chat. Here's a hot take. Your bank account should work with you, not against you. Y'all are not enemies, right? Chime is an award-winning app and debit card with no hidden fees or monthly minimums. After all, you earned earned your money, so you deserve to keep it. Fee-free overdraft on up to $100 in debit purchases with SpotMe. It's like overdraft protection, but better. Get your paycheck, benefits, stimulus check, and tax return up to two days earlier with direct deposit. There's no hidden fees or monthly minimums, plus 38,000 fee-free ATMs with MoneyPass and Visa Plus Alliance. With security, you can turn on alerts to let you know when your card is being used and instantly block your card if something seems off. And save on autopilot when you sign up for a Chime spending account, which is required. You can enroll in an optional savings account and grow your savings automatically with 0.5% annual percentage yield, which is 10 times the national average. Join the millions on Chime. Sign up takes two minutes and it doesn't affect your credit score. Apply now at Chime.com slash GG. That's Chime.com slash GG. Chime is a financial technology company. Banking services provided by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank in a member's FDIC. Eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Overdraft only applies to debit card purchases. Limits start at $20 and may be increased up to $100 by Chime. Early direct deposit depends on the payer. Out-of-network cash withdrawal fees apply. Third-party and cash deposit fee may apply. Go to chime.com slash gg for details. For details. For details. For details. For details. All right, praise the Lord, niggas. Welcome. <laughs> oh, no, please. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome, blacks. We are here at the kitchen mm. table, and we have very, very important business to attend to. Uh, we are very pleased to welcome our close friend to the show. It is an honor, in to, real be here. Life. honor to be here. Woo, woo. Oh my gosh. Everybody say hey to DeRay hey. McKesson. Woo, woo, he is woo, not woo. wearing his blue vest. He looks adorable. I just love this. What is this? Is this Cookie Monster on your. What is this? Donald, Donald Duck. Duck. Oh, that's Donald Duck. I just. Oh, saw and the I got Chippendales. We look yeah. like an iceberg ad. Yeah. Me and DeRay over here looking like it. 2002. Love love <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> The vest is here, but I couldn't wear a hoodie and the vest is a lot. No, no, I, I would have talked about you. Warm. People don't realize the vest is actually down. People think it's a windbreaker. It's down. It's actually no. warm. I knew, I knew it was warm. It was DeRay, because you, it cause you wore it to my wedding. Down. I said, I know I he's hot. <laughs> I, was, I was a good wedding too. photographer, too. I'm, I will give myself was. <laughs> a pat on the back. They was like, you know her well? Nope. Nope. But I'm at the wedding boom. They was like, you know, you DeRay, at? I was and like, no, nah, that was XD's plus one, time. but we cool now. <laughs> <laughs> we had an amazing time. All the photos. It was such, such a good it time. Was. It was such a good time. But yes, how are you doing, friend? What's going I'm on? I'm good. This is a wild week, as you know. It's like the, you know, it's one of those things. People don't realize that the police, as of today, have killed over 300 people in 2021. Wow. You just know one right. story, Dante, right? So right. it's like it is it's sort of wild to sit in this work every day and then see these like highs and lows of it becoming a story. Mm -hmm. And I worry a little bit that like while I, the awareness is really important, I think that and totally push me if you disagree. I think that people get a little hopeless in this. Like people get really aware, but they oh, also sure. are like, well, it, it is what it is. And like that scares me a little bit. 
for yeah. sure the power it's like you feel powerless mm -hmm. right. to to this thing that is to me what strikes me all the time is like it's clear with every case um and and with every you know even the, the more notorious case the cases that get all of the press but you know every every little insight that we get into um any of the details of these cases to me just sort of reveals the machine that is behind mm -hmm. the police that is it's, it and it seems like this this big huge like for centuries this factory has been producing these very same mm -hmm. outcomes and so in the face of that it it can very easily feel like what can me and my little uh you know righteous indignation do to help contribute to some of this any of this um and that is a hard place to be right because we just the the newsreel mm -hmm. you know every day brings about another you know some more awareness of something else that's going on in this in this country but we brought you here today because um in in hopes to just i think information is one of the major major tools that we have in terms of you know empowerment and what what and, and understanding how we can um you know support things so i wanted to bring you here to talk about the awesome work that you're doing with campaign zero all the 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 dope awareness that you've been raising locally, nationally, globally around, around, um, police mm -hmm. unions, police killings, these kinds of things. So welcome, man. I, 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 you and I had opportunity to touch bases a few weeks ago, which was great. Um, and just sort of like connect and, and catch up and you shared some, some of what's been going on there at campaign zero zero. And I was like, we got to have him on the show. Cause I think more and more people need to know, about what you're doing so can you for like give us give us a give us an overview a quick overview of campaign zero what you've been doing um and then we'll get into some more specific questions you see the quick and dirty is that we called it campaign zero because we were like we can live in a world where the police don't kill people we can get to zero mm -hmm. we can do that in this lifetime mm -hmm. this is not a 500 year thing this isn't a 700 year thing we can do this uh by the time noah gets old we got this right like that is what we believe right, right? that's what i love uh, so a couple things that, that people don't know. People don't realize that police kill more people in the suburbs than almost all other communities combined. It's not cities. People think it's cities. It's not. So Brooklyn Center, where Dante Wright got killed, mm -hmm. suburbs. Ferguson, mm -hmm. suburbs. Kenosha, where Jacob Blake got shot, suburbs, right? And when you look at the graph, it's actually not even close. Like, the suburbs are a real problem. People also look at, and mm -hmm. you know, 2020, all the protests, all the conversation, the police actually killed more people in 2020 than every single year of data we have but 2018. 2020, from a numbers perspective, was not a win. Wow, that's and I say that because people think that a change in conversation is a change in outcomes, and it's not. You know, like we did twenty twenty change the conversation. It sure did, and the police were un. They didn't change. Right? They were unfazed. Right? Unfazed. <laughs> they did this. They killed more people. So those two things sort of ground us, and we track the numbers. You know, St. Louis has the highest rate of police violence in the country. Phoenix, Albuquerque. Uh, there were a, a couple years ago, one in three homicides in Albuquerque was committed by an officer. In Phoenix, one in five homicides was committed by an officer. We just did an analysis the other day uh, that showed that Chicago PD actually kills more kids under the age of 18 than any police department in the United States. You know, so the data is helps us understand like where the problems are. In terms of solutions, there the frame that I always think of is imagine if you had a job where the worst consequence was going to a training or getting a camera. Mm. You do whatever you hmm. wanted to do. Like, could you imagine right. if you walked into work? 
beat up some kids, killed some people, did a, and they were like, you know what, Jade, go to training. You, you'd be like, okay, cool. Like that is actually what policing is, <laughs> That's you know. Crazy. And Jade, I'll put you. Wow. Jade, I'll put you on the spot. Uh, out of the police kill on average eleven hundred people a year. Mm-hmm. What is the highest number of convictions you think we've ever gotten? So eleven hundred people get killed by the police oh, a in year. a year. What's that? What's the highest number of convictions in a year you think we've gotten? I'm gonna be real honest. One. One is more of the years, but the highest number ever is eleven. Okay. Most of the years are like one, two, three. Eleven hundred people killed and the highest you get is 11 that's one percent the high i mean so the system is truly not built for there to be accountability and justice now to get to your point i don't um you know i always worry about this when people say well the system was built like this it was uh you know it was a remnant of slave patrols and all those things are true i never participate mm-hmm. in those arguments though and i totally push me if you disagree because I, I don't know what political work that helps us to is that when people, when I see people hear that, I see people take that as like, it's been around for so long, it'll always be here. Like mm-hmm. that, that yeah. like sets people up to be defeated. But more importantly, I think this idea of like, sort of the core idea is that what it was is what it will always be, right? That's sort of like the notion. Mm-hmm. Once you mm-hmm. take that logic and apply it to black people, which is what white people do to us, mm-hmm. like that logic is that logic is logic we shouldn't participate in. Right. You from the hood, mm-hmm. you always gonna be a no good da da da. Right. You right. grew up poor right. and da da like that logic of the right. like how it began is how it will always be is actually like a bad logic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It yeah. gives no it, it offers no hope or as, no as no positive. solve, no solution. Yeah, and many of us Many of us stand as proof positive that it is not, that it's faulty. Right. So that's not, that's not a defense of the police, but it's like, we've taken bad things before and we have transformed them into something else, right? We have seen people at their worst. We've seen people be truly not people we would ever be in community with. And we have seen them make Mm -hmm. changes that change their, you know what I mean? We've, that's the story of our people, right? We have. I think about being the child right. of two drug addicts. It's like I have seen people hit rock bottom mm-hmm. and come out on the other side, you know? Mm-hmm. So I can't participate in a logic that says the way you were is the way you'll always be. Like, And we frankly don't need that logic to win, you know? Nor so do that we deserve the- for the, mm-hmm. to live in a world like that. So as a black person, I don't want to live in a world where there's no solver, no solution. But let me ask, so let me ask you this. So in Campaign Zero, you guys go and meet with, with uh, chiefs and unions and, and all of that, right? Those all those all these people. We do with all the people. The unions don't really want to meet with us because we lead the nation's work challenging them. Mm-hmm. So they are the least excited about us. Right. Uh, and then we do see right. we do see chiefs and legislators and stuff like that. What when you have these types of conversations and you call them out on the bullshit that we all see, uh, whether it be um, broken window offenses or things like that. What like what is their response to these things? How are they even responding to to campaign zero? Am I making any sense in the questions that I'm asking? Yeah, some of it is like even I learned a lot this legislative session. So did you know that like um, Nevada and Texas, for instance, the legislatures are only open every other year. Mm. Hmm. So if you don't get your little bill in now, mm-hmm. you got a you got a whole lot of waiting to do, right? Mm-hmm. Or Maryland. They only have 90 days to pass all the bills, 90 days. So it's a, the 90 days just ended. So it's a wrap. So no yeah. matter what happens in Maryland today, we got to wait until next January before we can get any new legislation. See, that's so, so some antiquated. Of it is like this, nuts, right? So some of it is like <laughs> yeah. the system is not really. So like all these protests happening now in Maryland, the best case is a January bill. Wow. Right. 
Right. So there are a lot of places where, like, you know, the police are super organized. They lobby. Da, da, da. If anything, what we deal with in the room with legislators is that the police are really good fear mongers. So, so I'll give you a brief no knock. You know what a no knock warrant is. Mm -hmm. Breonna Taylor got killed. Mm -hmm. Now the the trick is mm -hmm. that you actually don't need a no knock warrant to do a no knock raid. There are two types of warrants. There's a no knock warrant, which you know, and then there's a basic warrant called a knock and announce, which you've seen on TV. Mm -hmm. That's the hello Jade. I have a warrant to search your house, mm -hmm. and you're like, show me the warrant, and then mm -hmm. I come in. That's a knock and announce. Like I knocked and they came in. Right now. Functionally, they're the same. A no-knock, I break into your door and say I'm the police. I knock and announce. I say police, and then the next two seconds I break in. Mm -hmm. They're the same. So, so to fix right. it, we there are a lot of things we need to do, but we need to restrict the execution of all search warrants. It's actually not just a no-knock warrant thing. So when we come in the room and we say the police should be legally required to wait 30 seconds before they enter somebody's home, what the police will say to us is, you're going to get me killed. And we're like, what? And they're like, if we have to yeah. wait, people are going to kill us. And you're like, 30 seconds is, I mean, 30 seconds is not even a lot of time. Like that is a basic, or when we say you should not be able to do any search warrant in plain clothes. Every search warrant should have to be executed in a police, which we think is like a lukewarm demand. That's not even crazy. Yeah, Very no. reasonable. Yeah. Reasonable. The police say, you'll get me killed. That if they know I'm the police, they'll shoot us. And we're like, no, if a bunch of white guys roll up on my house with guns, Let me I tell might you shoot something. you just because if, if, if a man named Hank in a tall <laughs> T shows up at my door trying to strong oh arm God. me and I don't know you, I am going to fuck you up. What do you mean? Yes. <laughs> so that's a lot of what we deal. It's like th those things are the things. That, so we walk in the room and we're like, hey, legislator Jade, could you get to your front door in 30 seconds without running? And you're like, no, you know, so we do a lot of that in the mm -hmm. room, but the police are just like really good fear. So it's never like a good logical argument or in Maryland, what they did, we're trying to make all the police officer records public. Mm -hmm. And what the police did is that they said to the legislators, well, we should make every ethics complaint against you public. So then the legislators are like, well, you know, we don't want the complaints against us. So we get, so then now, now I'm having to do all this research about ethics. You know, it's like the police are good at it though. They're like very good at this, like slow roll of fear. That's like their main power. I feel like, yeah, well, I was going to say that to me, like even in, in understanding and thinking about, like, even if you, if you listen to, you know, all of the people who have shot and killed mm -hmm. folk, right. The first thing that they say is that they were afraid or they felt threatened or, you know, it was an accident. They were anxious and blah, 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 blah. It seems I, I had never, I had never known that the police was so scary right? <laughs> about, about all things. Right. right. It seems, it seems that that's, that's the running rhetoric. Like, you know, it's always about keeping them safe and them fearing for their life or they're perceiving some threat from civilians and not the other way around um, when they are the ones who are coming into places who are he heavily Yeah, like armed, they put these right? little rookies. And you, got the, you got that little boy, that little rookie from Oregon or wherever, the Wisconsin, wherever the fuck he was from, and then you put him in the pink houses in East New York and he gets scared, shook all of a sudden and shoots somebody who's not right. in a stairwell. Like, this is where I'm like, okay, and I think what you all are doing is extremely important work. I am just trying to figure out on a small level, like dealing with these cops one on one, how do we, how is change going to come about when so many of them are such fucking assholes? They don't want to change. <laughs> I know that's yeah, I think that, like, hard, but yeah, I think about like, um, what's a good example? It's like, you know, when people talk to me about training and body cameras, like imagine Jade, you're a mom. Imagine if somebody a teacher kicked your kid down the stairs at school mm -hmm. a teacher you go up to the school like hey 
what are we doing about that teacher, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If Principal Takia said to you, you know what? We're going to send her to training. You would be like, absolutely insufficient. <laughs> there's like, there's no, like you got to go. <laughs> there's no Boom. world where that would be a, an acceptable solution to you. Or if Principal Takia said, you know what? I'm really sorry they kicked your kid down the stairs. I'm going to put a camera in the classroom. Camera. You would be mm -hmm. like, there's not a world where you would be like, that's okay. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. No, it's not. And neither are preventative. In, in any way, shape, yeah. form, or fashion. There's no... They're, and, they're, and they're so reactionary, mm -hmm. right? It's so like, in case... I'm going to put a camera in, so in case it happens again, we'll at least have proof of it because I don't even really believe that it's happening, yeah. but we'll see. Like, that's the, that's the posturing behind it. And so I want to know, as you, like, you know, as a team, Campaign Zero, you doing this data collection, you're meeting with these decision makers, um, and having these conversations, how do you guys strategize toward like, you know, how to go about this, this, this problem? How do you, is there a way or a system that you have of like finding like, you know, cause to me, it's like, this is like a, a big elephant, right? And it's like, you know, you eat the elephant one bite at a time. How do you guys decide where to start? So we love one bite at a time. So there are two ways that we'd say that one bite at a time could either be one bite after another. We think we won't win that way. Uh, because the mm -hmm. elephant will heal, right? Mm -hmm. Bite in January, bite in July, the, the elephant's fine. Mm -hmm. We think that it's everybody bites at the same time. This is a full core press. So we are like a million strategies all at once. Mm -hmm. So we only mm -hmm. do things that people haven't organized around and we only do things that we think are structural. Like, because the structure is the only thing that operates at scale. So in New York, for instance, the charter of the city gives the police commissioner the sole power to discipline all 30,000 officers. Only he can do it, which is a crazy thing. So, right. you know, one, one person being in charge of all the discipline, as you can imagine, not a lot of people get disciplined because it's mm -hmm. not that's not like a real right. thing, right? Mm -hmm. So we're interested in those sort of things. Like, what does that look like? How do you move it? How do you... Uh, some places we work directly with activists. Some places we work directly with legislators. Some places, you know, we work directly with the think tank. But we are sort of interested in the mm -hmm. details. So in Maryland, we helped write a lot of that language. Mm -hmm. And we had already did the no-knock stuff. So we work with the Speaker of the House and we like worked with her team and we work with people on the discipline matrix. Like we did those sort of things because we sort of get into the weeds, like that's our bread and butter. And we made a lot of big, we made big bets in 2015 around, we thought police unions were a big deal. People laughed at us. Now everybody's like, police unions are like, mm -hmm. we told you. Uh, we thought use of force <laughs> policies mm -hmm. were a big deal. And like, we were right, you know? So, so that's sort of what guides us. And the no-knocks, you know, I saw, I saw everything happening after, people after Breonna Taylor was killed. And I was like, well, what could stop the next killing, right? And that, that's how we started doing the no-knock thing. And we also thought that banning no-knock warrants was like the big win. And then we did more research and we are like, banning no-knock warrants is gonna have no effect. Like it, it won't, the police don't need a no-knock warrant to do a no-knock raid, right? That mm -hmm. was like our big takeaway. So then we started to develop. So like today I actually had a call in Maine because in Maine they're trying to do a no-knock bill. And you're like, cool. So we're working with a group of activists and the legislator. She is in, she's sort of working with these activists and we are like their technical assistance provider. So it's cool. It's like good. And, um, but it is like, you know, if there's anything I'd say to you, both of you is that, uh, you have far more power than you think. The system will never, ever tell you how much power you have. And it takes people right. like calling their random city council per, cause all this stuff is local. Like your city council people should be not able to sleep at night. You know, mm -hmm. like we should be stressing. So right. like in New York, for instance, this is a real thing. The New York city medical examiner has more names and IDs of people killed by the NYPD than we do. Wow. Because hmm. in like in the country, if you get killed by a police officer, uh, the police department doesn't just release those names. So we only know that you got killed from newspaper reports. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We know for mm -hmm. a fact that the number that the New York City Medical Examiner has is higher than the number we all have. 
So they're not all being recorded. And she said she, de Blasio's like, I won't release it. And she's like, I won't release it. And you're like, that is crazy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's basic. Yeah. De Blasio gets on my fucking nerves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gets on my goddamn nerves. But it gets really oh hard goodness, in situations. I'm going to be real transparent with you all. Um, we're home yesterday. You know, it's Sunday. We having our Sunday. And all of a sudden, I hear rumbling upstairs. My neighbors are fighting. They are fighting, going to town, and they're screaming. And there was literally a moment where I heard somebody scream, call the police, and paused and was like, I hear somebody yelling to call the police. And then there's also a fear that these police are going to bust up in that house and maybe kill the wrong person. Like put in, being put in those types of situations where we are not able to call the people who are supposed to be there to protect is frustrating. And I applaud you for all of this work you all are doing because the, the structural, the foundation is where the problem is. Um, and I'm glad you brought up, a, you know, brought up quickly a lot of these things that you're working on simultaneously because I want to talk about compensation a little bit. Before you do that, let me just acknowledge Please, that like, the, tension, the tension that you just acknowledged is actually, I wish we were more honest about that mm -hmm. in public. Because the police becomes mm -hmm. this really theoretical thing. And, and you're like, no, there are moments when you need an intervention. Yes. And you're like, who's intervening, right? So I think that that is actually the I think the question is not police or no police. I think that's like a losing frame. I don't know how we win that. Mm -hmm. I think the question is rooted in, we'll fix all the things. There will always be conflict and there'll always be harm. People won't get along. And some of that not getting along will cause somebody to be harmed, right? Mm -hmm. The question right. is, who intervenes in the conflict? who responds to the harm? Like, that's really what we're trying to get right. to, right? Right. Does somebody right. with a gun sure. need to be always a person to respond to conflict? No. Does somebody with no. a gun need to always be the person to respond to conflict? But what you're noting in your situation is that, like, sometimes you need somebody to intervene. Like, that's a mm -hmm. real thing, right? Mm -hmm. So how do For we, sure. how do we start to imagine that differently? Time. Right. It's not going to be you. <laughs> that's not safe for you either, right? There should be people who, like, you. Right. who specialize in this. And how do we start to just be honest about, like, I think there's a set of people who, who I think theorize it so much that they're not honest about the fact that we will need an intervention in some harm that is greater than like you and me, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we also like don't need the people with guns to respond to everything. And I think that's honest. And I think the hard thing about this sort of transition from police right now is that we don't, and you live through this with your experience, we don't have a good scaled solution where you could call somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. Who could come right. in and, did, and like, we got to build that. So like, it's one thing to talk about how this doesn't work, but we actually have to build like an alternative, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We need to talk. You're right. You're absolutely right. Because the reason why that even popped up in my head, the first moment is because I remember when, um, you know, the, 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 pro, the protests were going on last year, you know, in June. Yeah. And they set up all these barricades all over the place. You know, police nationally were getting themselves ready for what was going on. But in New York, it was about to be a thing, right? So mm -hmm. I remember them setting up barricades, and it would literally be police behind these barricades, slapping their wands in their hands, just doing things to intimidate people in the neighborhood as if to say, I know this shit is getting ready to go down tonight. And if you all fucking try it, we're right here. And it wasn't a, a energy of, of any unity or, you know, we had the whole situation with George Floyd and they're just like, nah, we ready to fuck the rest of you niggas up too. You see what I'm saying? So it is, 
it's hard. I sat there yesterday and I was like, yo, I don't know what to do right now. I'm going to be real honest. I do not know what to do because these are the types of people that are policing our areas. For sure. I wonder if there are containers where these conversations can be had, right? Because so, so a concern that I have is like, you know, this kind of stuff, I hate to say it this way, but it's kind of trendy now, right? So like you turn on any television show and there's a scene where there's somebody getting stopped by police or there's a police sort of situation. It's on Queen Sugar, it's on Grey's Anatomy, everywhere. There's the black character. There's some sort of police intervention. And while I feel like it is good, you know, to a degree, you know, because our imitates life, and right, we have to talk about these things truthfully as they happen. My concern, though, is, you know, as this is like, it may in some cases be raising the awareness of some white person who has not lived this perspective. And, you know, it might be them seeing it on, you know, Big Little Lies will help them to get some more understanding. But my con- my concern is, to your point about us, you know, over-theorizing and remaining in these real theoretical abstractions, at what point do we sit down and start to have some of these practical conversations about how to affect some of this change that's so necessary. Um, and I'm just wondering, are there any containers? And I mean, if, if not, you know, I'm not saying that you have to create them, but I'm just <laughs> curious is that are there places where people can come and really talk about these things at local levels, state levels, otherwise, like if, if I have some questions, if there are things that I want to learn um, or, or, or ways that I want to even, you know, you know, if I'm a white person and I want to be an ally in some kind of way, but I don't know how to get engaged. Like, are, are there spaces where these kinds of conversations are happening? Do you know? Yeah, I think they are. But I think your question just like highlights to me how we need more of them and we need them that aren't so organizery activisty, right? Yes. Convoluted like vocabulary. Yeah, like we need the we need people like you, Jay, to be like, well, this happened in my house. I need we real niggas like, to talk to me in ways that I understand. <laughs> you know, how do we brainstorm? You know, like that's it. So I'm gonna take that as like homework. I think that we do need more spaces. I think people are thinking about it, but you know, this is why I always get nervous about people being so pumped about the protest. Because, and I say this as somebody who was there on day one, blah blah. Is um, you know, you look at you look at the civil rights movement to today. We got a lot of wins, right? We got like. Women's rights, DSEG, sure. uh, education, the police, though, are the only institution that's only gotten more power over the time, not less. Like, there's not a moment where mm-hmm. we're like, oh, we really got the police. Like, that didn't, mm-hmm. that era didn't mm-hmm. happen, right? Mm-hmm. So we've seen this, like, you know, people think that we're winning, but now we have the numbers, and we're like, nope, killing more people. You look at the data from just this year, the police are, like, on track. Like, it's not, it's not like this year is, like... Less killings, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So that I saw the post that you guys put up that it's only been three days in this in this year where someone hasn't gotten killed. Great. Yeah, you're like, yeah, that's which which from last year. I remembered this because I went back and looked. Like at the end of 2020, you guys said that you guys posted there were only 18 days in 2020 where somebody didn't get yeah. shot. And so we're like you said, we are right on track right on to track. either either meet or beat that number in 2021. Yeah, so that's why I get nervous when people are like, wow, or like the TV show, you know, that's this is my frustration with celebrity and I know a lot of celebrities and da, 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 is that the things that will actually change the system are risky because when we poll people, people like the police. People say what Jade said. They say, mm-hmm. don't love them. I might need to call them someday, but I don't want them to kill me, right? People don't hate, the only place that people hate the police is the internet. When we poll people in any community, people like the police. Now, when we ask them, would you change this? They Everybody agrees. They're like, would you move the money? Yes. Would you make it easier to fire them? Like all the things, but people like the police. I say that because I, I was just somewhere with um, some NBA players and 
we were trying to convince them and they're like, well, this is too political. I don't want to say anything against mm. them. So people, you know, for all the celebrity involvement, mm -hmm. when the rubber hits the road about actually addressing the police union power, or actually being in the room lobbying to, like, it's not a lot of people who will put something on the line because they get nervous about, like, their own thing. So they'll participate in reposting the flyer. But when we need you to call mm -hmm. the governor of Virginia because you know him, people aren't doing that, you know? Like, they're not. Yeah. That's unfortunate because I don't trust wow. them niggas. And I tell them that. I had one being real nice to me and Noah in the park one day. And I was skeptical. And I told him, I was like, why are you talking to us? Why? <laughs> why are you talking to us? And I understand, you know, they're human beings. But as a whole, I don't trust the police. I don't trust you. I don't trust your motives. Most of you. I, I and right, NYPD, it's a system. Please. Like, if you think about these things systemically, like, you know, the system is mm -hmm. flawed and, and good intentions within a bad system and is, it, it has been proven to be like, you know, just as lethal. And it doesn't take as, as it doesn't take like a critical mass either. I, I was just reading. There's a NYPD officer who is a detective who they're about to vacate 200 convictions because he lied in drug mm. cases. In Virginia, there's wow. another officer. They're vacating 400 convictions because he was pulling random people over and planning drugs on them. Of course he was, because it's Two Virginia. Mm. I'm sorry. I have a vendetta. <laughs> that scares me, though, because I had a... I was telling my friend, because, and oddly enough, because this is a thing, and I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like, it's trippy that this is a, a trend, but, like, I saw on Facebook, people were, like, posting, like, you know post your story the last time you got stopped by police oh, yeah. and like you know were you scared and it was literally mm -hmm. hundreds of comments right and so i was in virginia one time i i was driving to nashville my mom lives in nashville i was driving from maryland to nashville i got pulled over in virginia my purse is sitting in the passenger seat and it's open right because you know you i got a big auntie purse <laughs> digging in my purse child you know i got you my snacks all my things, you know, I got my, got to dig down in my bag. So of course the bag, it's a big tote. The bag is open. So the police get out, two cops, mm -hmm. right? Both sides. They surrounding, you know, looking at my car, the guy on the, on the passenger side looks into my bag and sees my prescriptions and says, are those yours? <laughs> well, yes, sir. They're in my bag. They are mine. Yeah. That's my name on them. Yes, they are mine. Well, do you have, I said, no, I don't have the written prescription. Do you carry your prescriptions with you? But like, it was like a conversation that we had and I had to like ease mm -hmm. myself back because you know, I, I could tell my mm -hmm. neck was rolling and I had to kind of get <laughs> settle myself mm -hmm. down, but it tripped me out. Cause I'm just like, <clears throat> like he asked me if he could like look at the, at, and I was just like, I don't see why that's necessary. He didn't push the issue, but what if I would have just said, sure. Like he could have put anything in my little, in my mm -hmm. little uh, vitamin mm -hmm. D like girl. And you'll spend a night in jail, two nights in jail, have to get a lawyer. And Period. you know, for most people, three nights in jail is a lost job. You are not, you're done. It's a wrap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. You don't need a conviction for that. And I mean, you ever spent the night in, I know you have Duray. Mm. I know Kia, I don't even need to ask you that. It's filthy. It's filthy Kia. <laughs> <It's> filthy. <laughs> Me and Dre have, have no different interest, nights but for you know, different listen. things. However, <laughs> it's not anywhere I want to go. It is, but something. I got pulled over well, yeah, with Noah because a, a cop cut me off. He cut me off, veered in front of me, busted a left. I honked my horn at him, so he's made the block, came back and pulled me over. You honk your horn at me? I said I did. He said why? I said because you cut me off and I got my kid in the car. I was like, you're driving like an asshole. That's why I honked my horn at you. And he was big upset about it, but 
had to put he had to drive off he had to be like all right you know what don't do that again and i was like your fucking ego your fucking <laughs> ego you can't even take me telling you that you're driving like a dickhead and i got my seven-year-old in the car you can't even take me telling you that because that's how you you feel you have that much power as a human being it's disgusting but we could go about this all day deray i want to talk to you real nigga shit uh, I need to talk. <laughs> These people are going to ask questions and I want to ask questions in a way that's respectful. Um, <laughs> but also address things. You know what I'm saying? So it's clear that you bust your ass, right? You're sitting here telling us everything that you do, everything that campaign zero is working on. And I think that anybody who works should be compensated for it. Right. That is just, that's human right. Um, What's your take on how that compensation should be handled? There's a lot of critique within social media. There's a lot of about different things that are going on. I've, I'm not asking this right, but I think you understand what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because I do think that people, when you work, get paid for it. How do you talk to me? Talk to me and what do you know I'm asking? <laughs> so there are two things. One is, and I say this is, you know, one of the first activists who had a national platform in this moment is that some of it is about what is the visibility. I'm always mindful that the visibility is a tool, not the end goal. Mm-hmm. The moment that it mm-hmm. becomes the end goal, it like ruins people. I've seen it, right? Because people mm-hmm. chase it. They want the da-da. I am thankful that I can get into rooms. I'm thankful. And like that allows me to do really good work. So there are places where like they know me from whatever and I can, so they'll take a call with me and I'm like, cool. And then I can get in being like, what about those no knocks? You know, like, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's yeah. a tool. <laughs> it is not an end goal. And you know, visibility is an end goal. It destroys you. It eats you. Like that is like a, we've all seen good people go awry. Right. And when I think about sure. the, the money piece, um, I can only talk about myself. When I drove yes. to Ferguson, I quit my job with no plan no savings, no retirement. I defaulted on my student loans. And I was sort of like, I'm wow. 27 or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll get an, I made 110 at the time. I was like, I'll get another job. Like this is, there are a few times when we can like really stand in our convictions and this is one. So when, uh, Takeda in the prayer, when you were like, you know, um, can we sit in our calling? That the idea of like the calling will call, right? That's how you know it's a calling. The calling mm-hmm. will call. Yeah. I was called in that moment. Sure. I was like, you know what? I'll get another job. Mm-hmm. So I like slept in people's basements, da da da. Like, you know, it was a, a journey. But Cammy Zero, we literally only, we only, we had, at least for the first three years, our tax, our tax receipts are public. So you can go look yourself. <laughs> um, I'm but sorry. We had an average of $150,000 for the whole year. Mm-hmm. I took my first mm-hmm. salary this year. And I say that because I'm also mindful that like how we compensate ourselves, like the only, the reason why there is any money that we have is because people died and I responded to it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I do think mm-hmm. there's a responsibility in that to be like a good shepherd of it, to mm-hmm. like, no, I don't need to like eat from scraps, but I but like I'm not convinced that like this money needs to be the money that allows me to like eat at the Chateau Mama every day, mm-hmm. right? Like that mm-hmm. that something about that doesn't feel like the spirit of like how we you don't know me because i was a good teacher i was a very good teacher but that's like not why people know me in this moment you know what i mean so i do feel like and i know that there are a ton of activists who are really scraping they are scraping Mm -hmm. two pennies together Mm -hmm. and i was one of them who Mm -hmm. was like hey can i stay at your house hey that's actually that was one of my favorite beyonce stories i when i used to come to new york like when you got married Mm -hmm. i had nowhere to go i would come in for a meeting or to meet with organizers and just be like in people's apartments. And when I met her, she was like, Dorea, if you ever need somewhere to work, 
come by my office. So mm. I would be at the office. She was putting lemonade together. One night I left at 10 o'clock at night. B and like the video people are in the back. I'm like, I'm leaving Beyonce. She's like, see you later. Like I because you I just needed, better like, a pl- flex on us. Nigga. No, it just, <laughs> it was, she was I love it. <laughs> but I just I didn't have anywhere. I had nowhere to go. Yeah. I know, you know, like and there were so many people like her and so many people like Ryan, people who like I slept on their couches when I came to New York. I didn't have anywhere to go, you know? Mm-hmm. So it is like, it's weird that like people are now starting to be this idea that we should be compensated as if, I don't know. I, it is There's like an ickiness about it that I'm like, no, I absolutely agree. I, I think that's why I was like, I want to be clear. It's not realistic. And this is for people listening as well. You know, it's not realistic to ever look at somebody and just because you know who they are, for you to, to just put it out there like, well, I don't think they need to be getting paid what they, you know, they don't need to be getting paid. They're supposed to be doing this work on people. Well, then how are niggas supposed to eat? How are they supposed to clothe themselves? How are they supposed to put a roof over their heads? Um, but then there is some extremism as well. Um, obviously, you know, that that is not across the board and you can only speak to your personal experience, but there's some extremism and I think that puts things in a bad light where people start to, and then also, you know, the internet loves to run their fucking gyms. Let's be clear, like, mm-hmm. that's what they like to do. So I think it's important that we have these conversations because I don't think somebody who is putting in work for hours upon hours a day, a week, and they're doing all these things should be scraping two pennies together. I don't think that they also maybe should have a landing strip. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So oh. we need to figure out the, <laughs> I just wanted to talk about the balance right. of that. And get an honest yeah. assessment from you. No, I, I love that. And I love what you said about the tool versus the end goal, right? Because I think that that's something Absolutely. that is a lens that can be applied across all kinds of things, right? And just this internet stuff regardless, right? And so I, it resonated with me because, you know, even in something as small as like, you know, people get hung up on titles, right? The whole, like, and I say all the time, the Dr. Kia thing, like, I didn't, I didn't get a PhD, so y'all can call me Dr. Kia. I got a PhD because there was work that needed to be done. Just so happens that I needed to have this particular credential to have access to the tables and the seats where these things were being discussed. And that is why. So I don't get hung up. But, you know, there are people out here not knocking anybody's hustle, right? But there are people out here who are now teaching classes of how to do this and that and everything. I want to be a coach so that you can be the next doctor somebody. And it's like, you know, the tool versus the end goal. It's like, you know, everything. I think we should all, like, I think that's so so useful in looking at a lot yeah, of different absolutely. things, right? You did that. You are, you was a good teacher. That was a tool. I love that. I know, yeah. But also the access <laughs> is important, like you said, DeRay, because getting into those spaces, it's like, oh, DeRay's at the Vanity Fair party. I'm just making something up. It's good if you get up in there and you'd be like, all right, my nigga, so what's going on with it? Like, we need people in Literally, those spaces at the to Vanity Fair party. That. I was at the Vanity Fair parties, and oh, I see, was I just at the, threw the dinner before... <laughs> The dinner before is literally only 50 people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the man who like owned the LA Times, I'm like, hey, how about that policing coverage? You know, like, that's what I'm doing in the room. Because I'm like, so hey, can we? Because like, I think when we talk about activism more broadly, it, it does not, like there are activists who go down to the protests, right? And then there are activists who use what act- access to power and influence and resources that they have to be in the right place at the right time. And I think all of these things have to be working 
in order for us to really affect real change and transformation. I will say the, it can't just be all. Yeah, that means sense. And Jade, I will say, and, and to get to you, is that I, I think the other part, and this is, I think, uncomfortable for people in my position, mm-hmm. is that you should be able to ask us what the work is, right? Yes. So if mm-hmm. I think I should make $400,000, you should say, DeRay, well, what's the work you do that justifies? Like, mm-hmm. like, if I'm doing this in the spirit of community, then like there should be an accounting for the work, right? right? And it shouldn't be like, I'm just a good guy. And, I, you know, I did. <laughs> I was in the protest before. Like, there should be like a, in the same way that you would, like, your teacher teaches your kid. And it's not enough that, like, she showed up as a good person. You're like, right. well, did my kid learn or not? You know right. what I mean? Like, right. Yes. So I, I, yes. I, I think that I, I see some. Job description. Yeah, I see some of that sort of missing in the movie. People sort of do the, like, well, they did a good job. They all, and you're like, well, what is the work, right? What's mm-hmm. the work that like mm-hmm. you are doing that like justifies the blah, 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 especially because this is like, this isn't government money. This is our cousins donated this money to us. You know right. what I mean? Right. right. Absolutely. Which is why, you know, you have, um, um, you have Tamir Rice's mother who was very upset. You know what I'm saying? And I know I, it, it, it would be frustrating when you're already dealing with such a, an emotional, heavy burden that you didn't ask for, nor do you deserve to then see your son used for certain things. I think that speaks differently though, because I'm not going up and having meetings with police unions. You ain't gonna see, I'm not, I'm not doing all of that. And I think, I think there's issues on both sides of things. You've got people who place a judgment and they go, okay, well, you're doing good work, which, you know, you're not really looking into that. And then you've got other people go, well, they just out here with signs and marching. So why the hell should they be blah, blah, blah. I, that's why I think we need to have those honest conversations. And then you've got people who pop up, multiple people who pop up where funny money shit is happening, or it looks like funny money shit is happening. And so, like you said, if these are their cousins dollars, there needs to be a certain level of transparency so that people can kind of understand what's really going on. Cause somebody like myself, I'm like, all right, so give me the real nigga breakdown of what campaign zero is. I just want to know, you know what I'm saying? Am I saying anything? And you should be able to go see our <laughs> 990s, right? You shouldn't have to believe me about how we spend it. You should just, mm-hmm. we don't have a fiscal sponsor. We're not hiding the money in a thing. You'll be able to see it yourself, mm-hmm. right? So when people used to ask me, like, how did you, I don't, go look at the tax receipt. Like, that's mm-hmm. not, I didn't hide it, right? Mm-hmm. All, and you think about Tamir Rice's mom, but you think about, like, the thousands of other parents who their kids killing never For made sure. the news, right? You right. think about those, like, exactly. Yeah, I even think about, I got a, so I used to teach sixth grade math in East New York. One of my students, she called me and she was like, Mr. McKesson, my baby father was killed by the police last, uh, like last winter. You don't know her mother. Right. You don't know his name. Right. right? Like you think about there a set of parents that like we all know them. We all know their kid's name. Mm-hmm. You think about the masses of cousins. You know, so when we think about the impact of police violence, it's like not just that, you know, you know, mm-hmm. all y'all are in families. Mm-hmm. It's like the cousins, the next door neighbor, all like the trauma that that puts in community yeah. that like we don't, sure. you know, like, I don't know. So I get, I, it makes me sad. I'm like, woo, this is a lot. No, but that's a good point though. Cause that's something that we don't think about on, on a normal, when you see these things arise in the news and you see them arise in the media, it, that's a very valid point. There are tons of other parents who don't have that transparency. There's nobody knows what happened to their family and they're just kind of left to their own devices. So I think all of these conversations are important to be had. My bad, go ahead. No, 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 you're right. And I would say that one of the, you know, I also, last summer I got dragged into this like reform versus abolition as if I was some big, like, you know, the police are okay. But I would ask people like, do you believe in the end of uh, solitary confinement? Hmm. Do you believe in the end of solitary confinement? Like, should we lock people up for 23 hours and let them out for one? No. 
No. No. The end of solitary confinement, though, is not the end of incarceration. That doesn't make the end of solitary confinement a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But people sort of pit these things against each other, and Mm -hmm. you're like, no, we should end solitary confinement. We should not put people in a cage for 23 hours and let them out for one hour. Now, ending that does not let people out of prison. It doesn't. No. But that doesn't make it a bad thing, right? And, and right. there, some of the internet rhetoric is like, well, if you do the thing that's like reform, if it's not total abolition tomorrow, then it's not. And you're like, that's, that's not, not reasonable. real people don't. That's not real, you know? And what we and I mean, thinking about change and transformation and how change works, that's not how. Like, it's, it doesn't happen. Like, nothing happens like flipping the switch on and right. on. Nothing. And what we would all, what we say as organizers is that one is the biggest number. That one mm-hmm. is the biggest number when one is your daughter, when one is your sister, when one is your mm-hmm. brother. One's a big number. So mm-hmm. if they're not in, in solitary confinement today, that's the biggest thing in your life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If this sure. change helps sure. save that person, like when one is Noah, one is the biggest number you have. You know what I mean? The biggest yeah. number. And the internet the has like convinced number. people that like a thousand, it took one white kid to go missing and we got Amber Alerts. It mm-hmm. took one white kid to go mm-hmm. missing and we got kids on milk cartons. Mm-hmm. But for black and brown and poor people, it's always a million. And you're like, no, one is actually the biggest number. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Oh my goodness, that was heavy. We could literally go but on that's forever so true. with this, honestly. But it's good to be here. I would have, I would have, I would want to ask you this, just in in just you as a person, you mm-hmm. as my friend. How how do you take care? Oh, of I had that question too. Doing this work. What is what is your what are your what are the ways that you do? Do you have any like s- systems or even just not even systems because that would like you know that's kind of a pride pride pressure right that doesn't mean you have to do certain things a certain kind of way but what do you do to take care of yourself and sustain yourself in doing this important work i think honestly you know i will give you a real example that today was a hard day and just because it was like one of those days where like i didn't win and today didn't win but we definitely had a draw Mm -hmm. and my coping i don't drink i don't smoke i've never drank or smoke but my uh, my coping mechanism is to lay down i'm just like i need 10 minutes (laughs) And today was yes. hard. So when I when I came to record, I was like, okay, last thing, DeRay, like just get the spirit. And then when we prayed, it was like one of those things where it was like, God, you all right. You know, like you just yeah. and I say yeah. that like I have been so lucky to be around great people. Like that is the thing that and like this was just a reminder. And what I what I tell myself is that uh, about the work that I do is that I know that the end will come. Mm-hmm. I will not be here forever. And by the time that time comes, I want to know that I fought as hard as I could for black people and I never lost my joy in those moments. Like, I want to know that, Mm -hmm. like, with the last breath I took, like, that was my commitment, you know? And I carry that with me every day and it keeps me grounded. It keeps me sane that, like, the end will come and I will do these things before that moment, you know? And I am blessed to be around, like, just good people. And this was just a reminder of, like, I haven't prayed with other people in so long. Um, and I'll never forget during the protest, I was on a plane once and this white guy was getting off the plane and he's like, are you duress? Are you in the news? And I was like, yeah. And he said, we're in the middle of an airport. He goes, can I pray over you? And in the middle of the airport, Jesus. this man prays over me. And then I was in Union Station like a month later and there was all these black women getting off the train and they was like, you that boy, we're in a protest. And I was like, yeah. And this group of black women just built a circle around me and prayed. And it was like, you know, this idea of like your calling will call like I just, yeah, I didn't. I, that was a cool phrase to me before the protests, and then I was like, God, I get it, I get mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Okay, backstory. So like before we recorded, 
I was a shambles, right? Because like Ray, I have had a day. I've actually had a weekend and my spirit was feeling pulled, like literally like pulled out, like it was trying to get out of side, outside of my body, but I know that I have work to do. And so Jay knows me well and she knows when I need when I'm when I'm feeling that way, she suggested that we pray. And I was afraid to pray because I was gonna cry because I just know me, y'all know me. I cry all over this show every every week, just about. But um I am I'm grateful that in 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 these moments, right? I, I think that that all speaks to our humanity, right? But and and that we need sometimes to just connect to something that is bigger than us. And it, it really does my heart good that people recognize that, you know? Absolutely. Um, yes. And it's everywhere. I just love that, you know? DMX, everyone. I just feel like DMX got the whole world praising. Really is. I, love I have a question prayer. for y'all too, though. Yes. Okay. I've, this is one that we ask on, uh, that I ask on the podcast every week, um, is what's a piece of advice that you've gotten over the years that you'll never forget? Hmm. Oh. Um... I wouldn't, I don't know if it's advice. It was just kind of something I heard. And then I've been really, really intentionally trying to apply it. It's in, in how I raised Noah. Um, and it seemed like something so small, but it's actually so big when she does something. Um, and she's really proud of it. Instead of just telling her I'm proud of her. I ask her every time, is she proud of herself? Um, because <laughs> I'm like, I, I want you to know that I'm proud of you, but I don't want you to seek that from me. I want you to first have the instinct to be proud of yourself. And so I'm not the warmest mom in the world and I'm not the warmest person, uh, but I do try little things like that to build her up as what a person. What did she say? She does. She's very proud of herself every time. She always answered it yes. But I, I don't, she doesn't know why I'm doing that, but I know why I'm doing that. And I That's hope cool. that and it, it makes a difference in how she feels about herself and her affirming herself growing up. I love it. Thank I you. love that. Oh, that's so good. Um, I was told early on in my uh, graduate studies that um, there was no pressure in my own lane there there's lots of pressure in the academy and everywhere else for you to sort of like be like the chosen people um but you know there's no pressure in your lane can nobody beat me being me and as far as long as I commit to showing up as in myself in every space then that takes the pressure off of me and believing that I'm equipped to be in every room that I am called to be in that I, you know, if I, I'm I'm a woman of faith, I believe that God's order my steps everywhere I end up, I belong there. And so I just have to show up and be Kia and I don't have to be anybody else. And I can be all of Kia. I don't have to put certain pieces of Kia down um, at any point. So there's no pressure in your own there's lane no is the best advice. I've, I'm going to take no that. no pressure. I like that. <laughs> are you proud of you, boo? Yes, go ahead. Are you proud of you? Right, my last question is, you in, in elementary school, we um, so we don't do negatives and positives or, or deltas and pluses because it's too much. And maybe you, maybe no, it does this, but we do glows and grows. Do you know glows and grows? No. 
So mm. that's like a, a glow is a good thing and mm -hmm. a grow is something you're working on. Mm -hmm. And today I was actually having, there's somebody I'm talking to and uh, we were, I had a tough conversation this morning with somebody at work and, and I was reflecting on it and I was like, you know, I walked away from that conversation being like, my grow is that I'm very good at help. I know what the end looks like. I'm not always good at helping people see that. I give them a task and I know how it builds to the end. Mm -hmm. I'm not always good at helping them see how it builds. Like, I'm just like, just go do the thing and, and you'll like get it. Right. And I my, my grow is like, my glow is that I know the end, but my grow is that I need to actually help people. I need to be more intentional about that. Mm -hmm. So I'd ask you like, what what's a glow and grow that you are, that like what's a glow grow that you're working on? Like a glow, something you're good at. A grow is something you're you need to you need to grow in. I uh I think oh, my go glow ahead, is uh -uh, oh, go go ahead. I went first last time. My glow is that I have a natural uh tendency to help. I I I get joy from helping. Um and you know it's a good day when I feel like I have helped somebody. Um, and I think I got that from my grandfather, who is the kind of guy who, like, if my grandfather is walking down the street and he sees your meat about to run out, he'll put a quarter. Go in. ahead, Grandpa. So, oh, he's the best. <laughs> so I, I have always, I've, I just, I feel like, and he's taught me, like, when I'm feeling down to serve, right, because that helps me to fill, fill me back, fill me back up. That's my, that's my glow. My grow is... Um, you know, my I tend to internalize other people's stuff and make make other people's issue my issue, and um, that's a really something that I'm working on. Um, Cause I, and I'm just trying to remember that, you know, there's nothing wasted. I mean, thinking about like, you know, situations and people fall apart. I often sit and think all the time that I wasted. I helped this person so much, blah, blah, there's blah, blah, blah. Wasted. But I remembering like that. that Nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. I didn't lose anything in helping that person. And so I'm just being who I am. And so that's, that's always a win. So that's an area of growth I'm working on is not internalizing and, and taking on other people's stuff. Let's do it. Like What's a glow? I can cook my motherfucking ass off. <laughs> and i can make a drink i know how to work with an herb i'll tell you that anything that comes from the earth i know how to work with it um my, my grow my diatomaceous earth that's right sis <laughs> um my grow is that uh i need to work on my patience i'm working i'm i'm working on my patience and i'm working on um trusting no, seeing that my life is is is, in a, is headed in a good direction, and that that will pay off, but trusting and not having anxiety about what's going to come next, as opposed to just being in the moment, being in the experience, and allowing things to continue to happen as they will, because that's how they've done. So, kind of just letting that bit of anxiety as to, okay, what's the next thing, kind of letting that go. And um, and just trusting that it's it's, it's going to happen because it's happened already, uh, and also my patience because I am not patient. <laughs> I love it. Well, I won't ask anybody. What's yours? yours? I did mine. Oh yeah, you I did. did mine. Oh yeah, uh, you did yours. You did. <laughs> I'm sorry. Especially because the you know what, what I found too, especially with the dolls, is that the glow and grow is a uh, it feels safer for people, mm -hmm. like than like 
what do you what are you fixing in your like whatever there are a lot of ways yeah. that people get really defensive when you ask the same spirit of the question right. but the glow and grow you're like this is right. my glow this is it works with elementary school <laughs> students too that's why we do it with them <laughs> i know but these it's are so such good. like basic so things that work with human beings in general i'm gonna actually work on that with noah they don't do report cards at her school actually they don't do report yeah. cards they do narrative reports so they tell you how the kids are developing socially how they're oh, developing qualitative oh yeah no nah, like they'd be breaking it down and then they got to do a little dissertation when they graduate it's a whole thing it's cute it's cute Aww. i love it so precious. And that's can't... what we you know um that's what we say about uh what we say in teaching right is that like we remind people that all the best players have coaches right the mm -hmm. feedback is like the only way you get better. That's like it, you know? And like when I was a teacher, we didn't have grades because my kids were stressed out when they would get number grades. Mm -hmm. But we'd circle everything they got wrong. I taught math and it was like, there is an answer. Like mm -hmm. this is not a lot of interpretation. And I would just circle mm -hmm. the things they got wrong. And that was like a, that was like an easy way for us to like, you didn't get a grade, but it was like, this isn't right. Go fix it. We'll do it again, you know? Um, but that really changed my life. This idea that all the best players have coaches was like a big deal. Like I was like, yes. Yes. I need all the feedback I get. I don't have Period. to take all the feedback, but I need to get the feedback, you know? Absolutely. There is no shame in it. There is no change without mm -mm. feedback. Yeah, there's no change without feedback. I, that's a major fight that I have at work, right? Because, I mean, people do all of these. And education is a place where people do all of these reports, right? And the reports live in a binder on the superintendent's shelf, never to be opened mm -hmm. again, right? And so how do we translate some of this? feedback right some of this go out like do we know programs are they working yes right. but how and why right and why not but yes i love that the glow and grow i'm taking that with me thank you so much to put it in my big okay. auntie first the right it has it been really a joy has. you're always such a joy thank this you this was great uh thank y'all and i uh i always am i being like i can see your friend of the pod i'm about to do that to y'all this is your podcast <laughs> but it, was, it yeah. was good to be here thank you for the invite and this was this really like uh, gave my spirit the picker upper I needed because, uh, you know, I can firmly say that today did not win. Today did not win. That's and okay. I appreciate y'all. So Me thank neither. you. That's all right. Every day and going thank to, you. but you, we appreciate your energy yeah. here too because it wasn't just us. You were, yes. we appreciate you being here. You know, you're welcome back anytime. Um, and Absolutely. tell the people where to find you, even though they already know. I'm Dre on Twitter, D E R E Y, and then on Instagram, I'm, I, I'm, I am DeRay uh, on Instagram. It's funny, DeRay Davis and I get confused with each other a lot. And I posted this, um, <laughs> I posted this Instagram, this reel of me uh, roller skating, and I didn't have pads on. I definitely fell at the, I cut off the fall, but I was. Like, <laughs> and he writes on the thing. He's like, "Please put some pads on because when you get hurt, I'm gonna get all these messages of people thinking I kind of did it. <laughs> like he got killed on some show. People are texting because our name trended." So I get I get all these calls being like, Are you okay? And then when I got arrested, it was just it just said DeRay. So he got all these calls being like, Are you in jail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really Instagram. What, was the, it the world's snowfall? funny, but outside Bramley. Yeah, was, I think it was Snowfall. He he got killed on something. And then it was like or even the craziest, he sent me a video, we know each other. He sends me a video of uh he he goes to a hotel and you know how your name comes up on like on the thing? Mm -hmm. It is my name in his mm -hmm. room. I'm dying. <laughs> and then I get a Christmas card to like my house for him i'm like this is that so is hilarious we've had a, we're strange we've had a good a good run follow yes and also we're going to put all the information for uh campaign yes. zero in the description box some people to check out 
Campaign Zero's uh, social media, but also their website. There's lots of awesome reports and ways to get connected if you want to be a part. I saw I saw um, you tweeted a, a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago about how people could get involved in police unions, you know, doing some of the yeah. yes, the data analysis work that you guys are yeah. doing. And I think that that is an awesome way for folks who are itching to get um, involved. That's a great yes. way to uh, lend your time and talent. So please, please, please uh, check out the description box. We'll put all that information in there. D-Ray, we, we love, love you. you. We're praying for you always. Love y'all. See you later. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. This episode is sponsored by SESH. That's S-E-S-H. Traditional therapy can be expensive, and to many of us, it's inaccessible. SESH is an app offering a safe space for group support where you can connect with other people, all led by licensed expert therapists. Each SESH is a 60-minute online support group with a maximum of 14 participants, and it's only $60 per month for unlimited group sessions with licensed therapists. There are sessions for everything from living with anxiety or depression, coping with COVID to body image, postpartum, and much more. SESH also offers community-specific support for Black, Latinx, LGBTQIA+, the AAPI community, and more. That's a cost-effective way to meet your mental health goals. Oprah Magazine named SESH a top virtual mental health resource. It was the most affordable option on the list, and it's recommended by top mental health experts. Each new user receives a free two-week trial. Take the first step and go to seshtherapy.com today or download the SESH app in the App Store. Again, that's S-E-S-H therapy.com. SESH is mental health care made easy, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. Honestly? Truly. Ugh, what an awesome kitchen table talk. So, so good. So, so good. Shout out to DeRay. Now we have a honesty box to get into, so let's do that. Let's do Sis, it. Sis, do you want to give our listener a pseudonym? Let's, is it a, I need some pronouns. Oh, I believe it's she. Okay. She, um, Let's call her Ambrosia. Ambrosia, that's how much I feel, <laughs> feel for you, baby. Okay, um, Ambrosia writes, hello, Jade and Kia. First off, I want to express my deepest appreciation for you two in this podcast. I found you ladies last spring when we first went into quarantine, and you have become a highlight of my week ever since. Shout out to you. The advice I am asking for today is on behalf of my mother, who is also my best friend and the person I love the most in this world. My mother's older sister, my aunt, lives alone in another state and calls my mom frequently to vent out her week. My aunt, even before COVID, has always been very self-isolating. Although she is a beautiful, goofy, smart woman, she is very stubborn, has no patience for the follies of others, and is suspicious of people's intentions, and therefore her friendships do not last, and she refuses to even entertain the idea of dating. Mm. I am all for being independent, but my aunt doesn't really have her other life-fulfilling practices, uh, church, running, knitting, what, you, what have you, beyond her job that she hates, and sleeping, watching TV on the weekend, especially during COVID. My mother and I have always been concerned, but even more so now we worry COVID has driven my aunt even further into her self-isolating habits and it's causing some depression. However, my main concern today is for my mom. 
She is the sole person my aunt does open up to, and as a result, her phone conversations with my aunt equates to a three-hour-long one-sided vent of all my aunt's frustrations at her job, her insecurities, and her problems. As a patient Pisces, my mother is very gracious, especially since she knows my aunt has no one else to talk to, and their relationship hasn't always been close, most perpetuated by my aunt. However, my mother was recently notified that she will be getting laid off from her job and whenever she tries to reach out to my aunt and express her actually happening to me right now worries and feelings, the conversation still winds up going back to my aunt. Mm. It's starting to wear on my mom. I want my mom to confront her about this selfish behavior, but I also understand my mom's worry that my aunt will probably not respond well and even further isolate herself. What do you think she should do? Thank you, Ambrosia. Wow. Hmm. So, okay, let me just, you know, I need to recap. <laughs> let yeah. me just make sure. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, auntie is a hermit. Yeah. And the the Covenacia, the Covenacia. Yeah, the pendejo. Has exacerbated yes. the self-isolation. Yes. Mm-hmm. And... So is mom concerned and yes, mother is concerned about the behavior, but more than anything, Ambrosia is concerned for mom because mom, because mo- mom is a safe space for aunt, but mother is now exhausted of aunt's constant, um, uh, one-sided conversations, mm-hmm. selfish conversations. Mm-hmm draining conversations <laughs> okay so is it about i just want to figure out what like are we are we are, are we advising ambrosia on how to help mom yeah she said what do you think she should do i mean i have many responses here okay I mean, you start and like, maybe i'll jump in because i'm like this is an onion this is an onion. yeah that's what i'm like i just trying to figure out exactly where i'm supposed to fit in here but please so, Ambrosia, you started listening to us top of last year, top of quarantine. So, I think you know us pretty well by now. So, you know when we say things, we say them with love. My first, like, initial, initial thought is, well, technically, it's not your business. Uh, <laughs> um, and I say that with love. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of times where we love people and we want to jump in in ways, but it's just, it's just literally not our place to do so. Mm. And even if your mother is venting to you, in all honesty, at this point, no matter what the outcome is, your mom's got to, she's got to establish her own boundaries. With her she's sister. Gotta, yeah, and hold those in place. And as much as you want to help her in that area, that is something she has to do for herself. She's got to grow so tired of this that she doesn't want to deal with this anymore. You know what I'm saying? Or finds a way in order to nip it in the bud. And uh, before I pass it over to Kia... If I may reference a a episode we had a few years back, it was about having difficult conversations. Mm. And in that episode, we spoke about how you cannot control the outcome of a conversation. Right. Mm. But does that mean that you don't you don't say how you feel that does that make your feelings any less valid? It doesn't. And so your mom, you know, has to come to a place where. She is okay with however the outcome of that conversation may be because she can't control your aunt, 
but she's got to get to a point where she establishes her boundaries with your aunt in this way. But unfortunately, there's not really a whole lot you can do to do this for her. This is her work. Right. Which was where I was going to say, like, you know, as daughters, um, especially, you know, as our moms get older and we become more, I guess, uh, confident in our adulthood, it is, you know, we, we want to be advocates and protectors for our for our parents. That's a very fair and reasonable thing, um, I feel like. But to me, when I'm hearing, when I read your letter, well, well, hearing your letter, I was just thinking, like, you know, I wasn't, is my, my advice, I'll say it like this, is that I would invest my time into to figuring out how to best support my mom. Um, and working with my mom, maybe you could be uh, a sounding board or some perspective for your mom to help her kind of figure out how she's going to manage this or manage herself Mm -hmm. as it relates to this. Um, because I would not advise you getting in in between your mom and your aunt, um, in any way. Oh, well, Um, it doesn't sound okay. Well, I will say it doesn't sound like she's going to do that. She did say, what do you think she should do? Right. Um, no, I'm just saying, you know, I wasn't. Yeah, yeah I, I know that she wasn't. Plan- uh, well, she didn't say that she was planning to do that. But just generally speaking, like, you know, um, just saying that, like the, the the sister relationship between your mother right. and your and, and her and her sister, your aunt is something, you know, I would be respe- respectful of. And I mean, even when I in my yeah. in my discussions with my own when my mom asked me advice about how she should handle things with her sisters and I'm very mm-hmm. conscious about the ways in which I you know engage her because it's like am I engaging you as your daughter because you know I'm right. on your side you know or do you need me to be a third party here and just sort of you know so there's just being just being con- conscious of how you handle this is is I guess my advice but I mean it's I feel I, I I don't know if I'm if if I'm being helpful, but this is a lot going on, um, and I'm I'm no, grateful you. <laughs> that you that you are are you know avid listener and you think that Jade and I can speak to this situation, but yeah, I don't know I I'm I'm a little stumped with this one. It no, I think you ha- I think you answered it right. I think the best thing, like Kia said, is that you be a, a sounding board for your mother. Now it sounds like you kind of are, which mm-hmm. is why she's speaking to you about these things, and maybe just sharing some perspective on, you know, having conversations that are not the easiest to be had. I know a lot of times, you know, we 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 both have parents that have siblings, My and Lord. siblings of all ages have have tiffs and riffs and as you get older you really start to get into as you can see the ins and outs of your parents coming to you as their friends like let me tell you what this bitch did. Exactly. <laughs> you know it's hard because then it's, this is like your aunt you grew up with but then you recognize them as a human and right. you know where they fucking up but I think it's yes I think the best thing is for you to be a sounding board for your mother and share you know maybe that is some perspective for her maybe she ma have a conversation with your sister. You're not going to be able to control how that how that conversation turns out, but this is not serving you. Period. This like listening to her li- go on and on for 3 hours and doing nothing but draining your titties dry. <laughs> and maybe that will offer some perspective, but we do hope that there's some resolve and please keep us updated. Please. Um please keep us updated Ambrosia. We appreciate all of your support. And continue to send your honesty box questions to Get and Grow on Podcast at gmail.com. 
let's get into this black woman self-care black person self-care for sure i deserve all right black woman self-care time um so in black woman self-care i have figured out a hack so i have been trying to be more diligent around using uh working out being more consistent trying to do something every day i've been going to orange three for a while now and i go like you know three four times a week um and on my off days in addition to sort of rest and recuperation because that is also a part of the process i've been trying to you know find a way to do something low impact using the peloton in the house um and so i have been uh getting a little bit more comfortable on the peloton it's taking me a little time to get acclimated Mm -hmm. into her but we are getting there (laughs) and um I will say that I found, I, I guess, I think what, what has um helped me, I've gotten, in Orange Theory, I've gotten very used to using the uh, heart rate monitor to kind of mm-hmm. like track my progress and see how much calories I burn. That is something I've learned has been a motivation for me. And so I don't have the Peloton heart rate monitor. Um, and I've been thinking about buying it, but I also saw one of... um. Somebody listens to the show. We've become friends on Instagram. Her name is Run Girl PhD. She shared that she hey. found a hack. Right there's a there's an app called Heartcast, where you can literally oh. like cast. You can you can sync your use, using the heart rate monitor on your Apple Watch. You can sync that to your phone, and your phone will cast that to the Peloton. It's a kind of a workaround, well, well. but it is you know something I can use in the interim of actually getting my Peloton um heart rate monitor but it's something that i had i used for the first time and it's helped me um because it really actually shows me you know how much energy i'm exerting it helps me to sort of like train and learn how to maximize my workout on the bike so that is what i've been doing in black women self-care trying to commit to getting on the bike at least four to five times a week if possible and the heart rate monitor has been helping me you know nothing extraneous i don't do any more than 30 minutes um at least not right now so i'll do a 15 minute workout a 20 minute ride a 30 minute or something like that um and then you know just sort of like tracking that and you know just getting as i'm getting acclimated to using the because you know like we talked about spinning mm-hmm. is a different it's an acquired taste so i'm getting into it slowly <sighs> but surely but my big booty girl <laughs> seat is really working out so i'm really grateful oh for that. you got one mm-hmm, 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 it feels mm-hmm. nice it does it does See, if I could carry that to the spin, maybe. <laughs> maybe. No, I still, still wouldn't stand a chance. It still didn't stand a chance. <laughs> I actually like to just put on my sneakers and go walking around Brooklyn wherever I need to go. It's important. And, you know, I'll put Jenny Mai's husband in my headphones and just <laughs> book it. Um, my black woman self-care this week. So I think I maybe I've spoken about this. I, I think I touched on in the kitchen table talk. I don't know. Um, you know, I I have been, when I've been having feelings of anxiety or overthinking, you know, I've been working diligently to uh, work against those. So, like, when I'm, you know, doing my meditations or my affirmations or whatever to release things that are not useful to me, such as, like, these anxieties, these worries, these doubts, and so forth, I'm really trying to put that into practice. And so my black woman self-care this week is that. It's really intentionally 
trying to put that into practice. Whenever I have a feeling that pops up like that, I remind myself. I think the meditations are helping. My meditations and prayers are helping me um, to be more uh, cognizant of it when it comes up. And so that is part of my self-care, right? This is like work for me. This is things that I have to work on, that I have to do is releasing some of that that anxiety. And so I'm working on that. And I, I, I find myself um, being reminded more and more often as it comes up that it's coming up and to chill the fuck out. And I'm really lo- loving seeing some things. You know, when you start seeing a little progress in like the, the internal work that you're doing, it's a it's a glimmer of hope. It's like, oh, the train may not hit me. So so that's my black woman self-care this week. Important. Very important. Thank you so much. And now I'd like to fight against all of that and talk about petty peeves. Let's head over there. And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister. Because everybody know I can be real petty. P-E to the T-T-Y, honey. honey. All right. I'm going to talk about my glasses. And so <laughs> I don't enjoy the eye doctor. I'm an achiever. I I test well. And the eye doctor is a place where I do not test well. And that causes me great stress and strain. Mm. You know, everybody in my family is nearsighted. You know, we nobody really has good eyes. You know, we all have some sort of glasses or contact lens or assistance in the vision department. So I I know what I'm up against, but the doctor's office, the eye doctor, especially is just a stressful time, right? They're always telling you to calm down while blowing things into your eyeballs, telling you not to (laughs) blink. And you know, I mean, it is just madness. And I'm frustrated when people ask me questions that they know the answer to. And Mm -hmm. that is also you know, very much a part of the I, Dr. Going experience. It's like, can you read that line? No, girl. You know that I can't read that. So why are you asking me if I can read it? I cannot read it. You took my glasses. So how do you expect me to read it? And then it's well, always stressful. Which one is better? Number one, number two. Okay, number two. Okay, number two or number three. I was like, girl, I don't see. Okay, we're talking. Nothing's, nothing's more frustrating when than when none of them are better. Right, because I'm just like, sis, I'm still squinting. <laughs> I'm still squinting. I don't know. And that's the point, right? And so she's telling me, she's telling me that, you know, I recognize, you know, vision is one of those things that with age, it's just a natural degeneration. It happens. And I don't know that I'm a candidate for the, for the, um, laces because I have a astigmatism and all of these other issues right so mm-hmm. the thing about it is she's like you have an astigmatism and you're not quite 40 but you're just right there at 40 and so you are on your way into the land of bifocals but you're not quite there just yet and so she was thinking about she was like we can do like a multifocal contact lens or we can do a contact for your astigmatism and I'm like well I have both issues so you asking me to choose and she was like yeah because you can't really have both so she's like essentially what I'm saying is you're not gonna really be able to see period so but it's like which one and I'm just like wow this is so great she was like okay Mm -hmm. so we'll get you the astigmatism one and she was like you know what I will say is I'll prescribe that you will wear readers over your contacts. So I'm like, so what you saying is my glasses need glasses. Need glasses. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So 
I'm processing all of this information. And you know, eyeglasses are and contact lenses. These things cost millions of dollars. Like it's not, we're yeah. not talking about <laughs> little bit. We're not talking about little bits of money. So, and and of course, because of the coverage, you got to choose. You can't get glasses and and contacts. You either gonna have to pay out of pocket for one or the other. So, yeah. um, I'm like, all right. So I'm gonna get the contact, and now I got to pay out of pocket for now for my glasses and then my glasses glasses. Okay, bet. So yes, I'm I'm I am talking about adulting. My eyes are aging. And it's really taking all the money in my pockets. But I'm grateful for insurance. I'm grateful for flex spending accounts. I'm grateful wow. that I'm able to do the things that I need to do in order to to see. Um, I'm going to go ahead and order these glasses for my glasses. And we're just going to keep on, keep on pushing. Keep on moving. Don't stop. Whoa. All right. <laughs> okay. I went to the eye doctor the other day too. I it'd been so long since I've been. They did all kinds of new stuff that I wasn't. I said when y'all start putting gel on people's eyeballs and stuff, so I wasn't much. even. It's so I didn't. Much. It was so many things. It was four tests. They did that peripheral vision test, mm. which that which is it, maddening. It because is you want to talk about gel anxiety inducing because it's like did i see it i don't know if i saw it did i blink but it's just like i was like is this the light in my eyeballs i, I literally started yelling and the technician was dying laughing i was like this is like being in jail how long is this test it's so she said, long. it's three to five minutes i said so it's this is an eternity i'm like i cannot do this and then like I mean, I get tired, so like of course the the by the time in the the so they do the right eye first. So she was like, yeah, I can tell in the left eye you just sort of gave up, you were just sort of guessing, and I was like, exactly. that's what she told me too, <laughs> because this is madness. You can't expect me to sit here and torture myself like this. I was like, but you got one of my eyes covered. You got me in this all white solitary <laughs> confinement. It looks like when Mike TV shrunk in Willy Wonka, it's the chocolate dumb. factory. It's so and he stupid. went inside the TV. It's just, and it's just these little beams of light. I was like, this is literally like being in jail. It's all bad. I hate it. I'm not even going to She hold just you. thought that was the most entertaining thing in the world. It is so That stupid. is not my petty peeve though. <laughs> um... My petty peep. So today, you know, I go run a couple of errands after I drop Noah off to forest school. Oh. And <laughs> that's what they call it. It's outside school. That's so early. Um, so I go drop her. So I go run a couple errands. And I happen to pass my homeboy. I'm not going to say his name. He knows who he is. I'm not going to. Um, but I passed him. I'm not. I'm going to protect him just off the strength because it was his co-worker, actually, oh that this petty peeve is about. And I warned him, too. I warned him ahead of time. I said, uh, your co-worker is going to be my petty peeve. So I'm walking down the street. Oh, my nigga, da-da-da-da. I got my mask on. He doesn't. So, of course, you don't, y'all know me. I will shave you publicly. I was like, where the hell is your mask? <laughs> Period. Hello. You're doing so much. And he was like, ah. He was like, I got it right here. He was like, I was just, I, since I was walking out in the fresh air, I was like, I don't care, nigga. Put it on. So his yes. white coworker is going gonna, is gonna to turn to me and go, well, who are you, the mask police? Oh. I'm the mask god. I was, why are you talking to me? I was like, oh, okay. Anyway, back to you. So... So my my petty peeve is for him specifically. I don't know you, short man. He looked like George Costanza. I don't know you, little small white man. 
for you to be talking to me, asking me if I'm the mask police. Like I said, I am the mask God. Get out of my face and don't ask me no stupid ass fucking questions with your teeny ass. So that was it. I I had to text my homeboy after. I said, who who was that man with you? And he just sends me the laughing emoji faces. I said, why was he talking to me? So that's it. My petty peeve is just for that very small white man in his cigarette who thought it was okay for him to part his lips and speak in my direction. Sir, that's not okay. You got to stop. No, no. Don't talk to me no more. Ever again. Uh, And that's it. (laughs) That's it this week. Mm-hmm. that is it this week thank you for listening to another episode of getting grown shout out to everybody who has tuned in at one time or another you guys help this to continue to go and grow um thank you to deray mckesson for showing up deray is always welcome here at the kitchen table and always came with some really important things. Um, And also I hope, you know, with some of our candid conversation, there was a bit of a better understanding. I know people like myself don't always fully know what the hell is going on. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we needed you to break it down in layman's terms. So thank you, DeRay, for coming through and and kind of breaking a little bit down uh, for us here at the kitchen table. But there's that work is so big and so vast that we encourage you to go and check everything out in the description box. But in the meantime, in between time, sister, tell them what to do with themselves. Please continue to moisturize your skin because nobody likes ash. And moisturize your insides by drinking water um, because, you know, if you don't do that, you will have B.O. (laughs) 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 And remember to moisturize your mind by minding the business that pays you and you alone girl okay because mm-hmm. your black will crack if it's dry and and i mean if your if your if your black is dry that means if your mind is dry if your skin is dry <laughs> if your insides is dry it will crack no one has time for that like that little white man who was talking to me earlier bye bye y'all <laughs>